1: So we're answering a listener's question two weeks in a row, man. We are on top of it. Look at us. <laughs> Look at us go. Responsive podcast podca- pod yeah, podcasting hosts. I can't even say <laughs> the word today. This must, I think it's been a long therapy week.
0: <laughs> yeah, it it has. That's okay
1: though. It's okay. The 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 fight is worth it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So here's a question that came in. Uh, basically it says, What do you do? When the proof is in the pudding that your partner is a sexual addict, but they refuse to acknowledge it. Uh, I asked him for a separation at the beginning of December, hoping that would shake him up a bit. He's agreed to couples counseling, but is, quote, offended at my suggestion that he has a sex addiction. Uh, There have been many discoveries over our 17 years. Is there a way to help him see, or are we a lost cause? that is a great set of questions right there and we see this all the time right i was going to say this is a first for me i've never <laughs> right <laughs> never go across this yeah
0: yeah no it's uh it's it it is i think it's very common i mean as with many of the topics we discuss mark and i you know we both can very much relate to being that that husband that guy um and it is hard i think on both parties puts a spouse especially in a in a very difficult position. Right. Mm, for sure. Um, there is, there's, you know, there's already a disparity in terms of the justice of working through issues like the ones we talk about on this podcast often. Right. I am a big believer that in many cases it does to some degree, you know, it takes two people and, and, and set two sets of issues to contribute to major problems. But when it comes to betrayal, when it comes to actions, you know, sole actions on the part of a partner, that are damaging the relationship, causing issues, et cetera. Um, you know, oftentimes it's it's not a fair situation, and what adds to kind of that unfairness, so to speak, if there is such a thing, right? Is this is this notion that you know, not only I I, I just heard this from a wife the other week, so I have to be the bad guy.
1: <laughs> mm, yes.
0: Right. So not only on top of you know the the hurt and the damage of whatever's going on, I gotta be the bad guy. Like that, surely that can't be my role. Mm. Like that cannot be my job.
1: Yeah. After everything I've been through, I got to do this too. Right? Yes. I got to try to force him to see, I got to bring him out of denial. I got to get us on a good track. I got to go find a therapist. Like, right? mm-hmm. I got, I got, I got it. Yeah. It's just, it just be, it's just becomes too much. And you know, we as you and I talked about this. One of the words that really jumped out at us from this uh, this question was this word "offended." Yeah. Right? Is 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 offending your spouse a bad thing?
0: Mm, yep. And
1: so let's just jump right into that, right? Is it bad to offend my spouse?
0: Like the title says, right? Is it "quote unquote" okay?
1: Yeah. Is it okay?
0: <laughs> the reason why in the title, guys, if you look at the title with with both okay and the word the words okay and offend being in quotations is the it, the first reason why is because Mark and I both look at this question a little bit in the sense of it being a, a misnomer and in, in other words the wrong question might be might be being asked um phrases like okay are oftentimes like a moral judgment call that are ambiguous and and hard to decide yep. or determine right um when we're talking about things like intimacy um intimacy in its purest form doesn't have boundaries around it uh, because of notions like okay, right? It's all about safety or you know, connection or transparency. Um, those ambiguous moral arguments oftentimes just get in the way and muddle things even worse. As does the terminology offend? Um, is it possible for somebody to offend me? Yes, I, I think to a degree, but only in part. And, and what I mean by that, right. Is at the end of the day, who is responsible for my emotional responses?
1: Me.
0: 100%. Right. At the end of the day, nobody, not even my partner can or should even try, nor can they take emotional ownership for my stuff. Um, Intimacy as you hear us say on this podcast, love right is being able to tell people or learning how to tell people being bold enough to tell people including a partner what needs to be said rather than what wants rather than what the other person wants to hear
1: yeah and that's you know and, and we use this word offended and and i agree <clears throat> with you offended is really a matter of perspective yes. and i'll tell you why i'll tell you uh, Perfect example from my own experience in life. So there was a time in my deep my deep addiction years where if my wife had tried to grill me about certain behaviors that she had noticed or feelings she was having, or you know, because I kept my addiction secret for a long time, <clears throat> and if she had started to get close to figuring out what was going on, you could say by my behaviors that I would I was I would have been offended. Mm, yeah, and what yeah. that really means is. It basically would have triggered my fear, my pride, uh, you know, my resentment. Someone's trying to disrupt, you know, my favorite place of self-soothing and escape and avoidance in my life. Yeah, I would have, you would have gotten my hackles up, and I would have, you know, been like a a bear that's been a that's been aroused from his, you know, his addiction hibernation or whatever you want to call it. Yes. But today, today I don't react in that way at all. I actually invite my wife. I give her permission to mention things that she sees. I ask her, hey, if you see these certain behaviors or you see that I'm going off the track or you can see I'm going back into old habits, please tell me, please let me know. I I look forward to her doing that. And at the exact opposite end of being offended. So it very much is, being offended is very much a perspective. It's very much an interpretation on my part in response to certain things that I'm being confronted with. So it isn't an automatic. Well, there's just certain things that are offensive. Well, is that true? Mm. Right. So we have to question that word. We have to really um, step up and look at it, as you said. And also this word, you know, okay, <laughs> is it okay? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, and and
0: and when a relationship is functioning the way that it should, right? This is kind of another reflection on the on the concept, right? Um, speaking as as uh, to our, to to our guys who may be listening and find themselves in the same position, maybe even this same husband, right? Um, having felt highly offended, quote unquote, you know, when my wife would bring up or call into question my stuff, right. It oftentimes as Mark is indicating does have to do with, you know, emotional insecurities on my end, or it's hitting on my shame. Right. Or things Mm -hmm. that I, to quote Brene Brown, right. We, we are the things that we are most enraged or when people hit on elements of ourselves or, or bring up topics that we secretly believe. Right. Yeah, that is right. when, that's when rage really comes out is mm-hmm. is when they're hitting too close to home and, and and kind of to expand on that you have to ask the question about you know how how connected how open maybe not even connected but how open are we really in this relationship because intimate relationships should be able to tolerate healthy questioning yes they should be able to and they should be able to tolerate inquisition Right. You know, inquiry, they should be able to tolerate partners being able to ask like, hey, you know, they." my wife, I've been sober for almost seven years. My wife ought to be able to come to me today and say, hey, I know this may sound just crazy. I know it hasn't been a problem in a long time. But last night I just, you know, I saw you in your office. You were on the computer. I didn't exactly see what was on the screen, but it was kind of late at night. Like, can you just kind of speak to what you were up to? Yeah. Right. And it should allow for that without me going into a place of pride, which I think is what's really probably happening here or shame when we say offended. That's kind of a euphemism for that. Right. And going to that place. Well, of course, if because I think oftentimes a husband, I know I used to do this. If you really love me, you wouldn't question that. Right. That usually is where that oftentimes stems from. If you really love me, if
1: you really knew me, you wouldn't even bring that into question. Yep and look at that, that that's a strategy that i used all the time. Yeah. And right? we sometimes we we can put that in the gaslighting category, deflecting, you know, distracting, mm-hmm. moving your attention off of the real issue. Yes. Uh, you really love me. Oh, look, we just got completely off the topic of the fact that i probably have an addiction of some kind. Now yes. we're off on whether you love me or not.
0: <laughs> when it hits on that more baseline level, right, of a relationship, of being able to, on any level, both partners in a relationship need to be working towards a point where they can both feel free to say, how are we doing? Mm-hmm. Are we doing okay? Where? What are we doing well? What are we struggling with? So, yeah, I, I would say that that is the case. A um, couple of, uh, on my, I used to, I, I've thought oftentimes about hanging this on my wall because I, I, I swear I'd say this phrase at least once a day in my office. You know, it, it, we tell the truth at any cost in this office that's what i will tell clients because that's what intimacy is that's what intimacy requires right um getting away from that okay piece i totally can we can totally empathize with this with this amazing wife who is is you know feeling some fear some hesitation maybe some hopelessness around around having to address this right for sure with her husband probably for the hundredth time if yeah. if, if we read into this a little bit um but it, But it, again, you can call what we oftentimes do in the name of quote unquote love, you often, too often is actually enablement, right? It's conflict avoidance. It's not wanting to offend or not wanting to create conflict. But, you know, love can't be love if you rob it of truth. If you take away the truth, what is that? I don't know, but it isn't, it isn't love.
1: Yeah, because if we're talking about intimacy, right, and I always say into me, you see into you, I see, right, this transparency, this authenticity, we can't get there if we're, if we're enabling or trying to protect unacceptable behavior, correct, you just intimacy and, and, and avoiding the real issues and stepping around them because you have fear of what the consequences might be right? How they're, I'm going to be punished for bringing this up. Uh, You know, he's just, he's just going to take the same approach that he always does and sidestepping and turning the, the attention back to me. Or maybe our marriage might even be over if I push this too far. Yeah. And so that all of that fear and all of that, all of that enablement and rationalization really becomes a wall that prevents us from getting to the place of true intimacy, true connection, and that's like we say, fear derails authenticity. You yeah. can't have authenticity and intimacy and fear at the same time. Yes, you just a- can't coexist.
0: Yeah, absolutely, right. And and I think that those those conversations are always going to be scary to a degree. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know? Right.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah.
0: I I think I, I I jokingly say to clients and colleagues. You know, I'm probably not doing my job right if I don't piss off at least one person a day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cuz that's the truth, right? I mean, being <laughs> a good therapist, part of that job is telling people hard stuff. It's it's confronting thinking, it's challenging thought patterns, it's doing all of those things. Yeah, and, and that's
1: and that's scary for us. It's not like it exactly. we are not afraid. It's very much we we experience this concept every day. Feel the fear and do it anyway. It gets better, right? We've gotten better at managing are, it and molding it. it. Yeah. But I think most people,
0: nobody sits down and, and at least in a healthy state and says, geez, how can I just rile this person today, right? Or <laughs> right? how can I just <laughs> rattle their cage, right? It's always uncomfortable, but so the fear I think is always going to be there. It's if we allow it to derail, right? Or rob us of our authenticity, that's where it becomes problematic.
1: Yeah because you can you can feel it but you kind of push it you push it off into the background and i like i call it little acts of courage just little acts of courage just little daring to step out yes right and and to dare to do something that's scary
0: mhm absolutely so uh, kind of breaking this question down because there were actually kind of multiple questions being asked mm-hmm. there we'll we'll take a subsection and we'll talk about this phrase is there a way to help him see you know, see meaning his behavior, right. Or the implications, or are we just a lost cause? Yeah. Right. That's a tough one. Um, I have a couple of thoughts about that. I know you do too. Um, The first, right. Is that there, there is a way to help him see, but you, you play a small role in that directly coming about Uh, meaning right at the end of the day, we're all entitled to our thought patterns. We're all entitled to our our feelings or perceptions. There's no way to make anyone, including a partner, magically see this. Uh, but there are some things that we can do that help to to bring in. I think you use the phrase, Mark. You know, bring in other messengers to the conversation.
1: Right? Yeah, and it's understandable that you know this this wife wants wants him to see. She cares. Yeah, her her so desperately wanting to him to see the truth and and to and to really become authentic, it really is evidence of how much she cares. She's not trying to put him on the spot and you know crucify him and you know destroy him. She really wants this to work. She's uh, like I often say when we have when our partner spouse is coming to us with this issues, it's their cry it's their cry to us to connect. I want to connect to you. I want to be one with you. And this stuff is separating us. Mm -hmm. That's why I want to bring it out and put it on the table so that we can, we can become united. So it's not a negative thing that she's wanting so much for him to see. It's, it's really evidence of how much she cares about this relationship and, and about him, frankly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. And you know, the, the the way you know Brene Brown has some really you know she's one of the world's kind of leading experts on shame and some other topics and and I I love what she has to say about accountability. She uses this term I maybe I've mentioned this before of of holding up a mirror to your partner. Right. Mm. And what is and and what that actually means. The way to really hold someone accountable isn't to become aggressive or attacking. The way to hold someone accountable is to do the opposite of what we're conditioned to do. With with to do which of those things which is to right meet it with complete and total vulnerability to because oftentimes that those anger pieces those frustration pieces frustration places i think can in some ways actually mitigate the severity of the issue to the other person but what will really what really cuts deep in the right way isn't by getting louder or more boisterous it's by really dropping your guard as much as possible and saying you need to know how your behavior from where i'm sitting is impacting me and impacting this relationship in crystal clear terms, right? Yeah. In a in the most loving way possible, you you are hurting me and here is why. Your actions when you do these things, it impacts me in this way, right? it's the opposite of that you know you son of a you know <laughs> how dare you piece of, you know whatever it, it, it's the exact opposite right it's it's being willing to double down on the intimacy if possible and being that that right there if the question is right how do i help him see the, the suggestions we're going to give after this is are going to be based on that concept right is is how loving and how vulnerable can you get because even though you can't control his side of the story there is a piece of this that, you know, they will set the stage for, I think, the best possibility for him to be able to be open to that.
1: Yeah. Uh, here comes the sentence. I'm going to let him see into me completely. Mm-hmm. No masks, no, no guards, no, no pulling punches. I'm just going to, I'm going to say it exactly like I'm feeling it. Yeah. And you, you, you had said, Steve, before we started, right? I'm, I'm going to love him enough to let him be uncomfortable. Mm hmm. We could even say, I'm going to let, I'm going to love him enough to let him be offended.
0: Yes, we're absolutely. Going to, you know, the,
1: the topic of this podcast.
0: Yeah. let him be offended for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yep. Being offended, quote unquote, is not necessarily bad because sometimes that questions behavior. Um, and that's not, a, and that's not a, a necessarily a bad thing. And I know that we're, I, I know we're kind of getting short on time. You know, if we were to, if we were to kind of look at the next side of this, um, I would, I would pose a, a question to both this, this person who, you know, put out, uh, put out this question to us as well as to, as well as to their, their spouse, you know, be asking yourself if you're the partner, but he also should be asking himself, why does he, why does, why do I right react this way to the possibility or the topic of going to get therapy? Mm. Right. Where is that averseness coming from? yeah um, because that right there, it, because I can tell you, having been on both sides of the coin where that has either been highly averse or highly not, right? As we talk about oftentimes on on these podcasts, if my wife were to come in here today and say, Steve, I think you're acting out again. I think we need to go to therapy. There's of course, going to be a human part of me that's just gonna be like what what the crap? Like <laughs> seven years, lady, like that's gonna be like an instant human response, but what's my authentic response going to be? That's an op fine. You know, I, I disagree and I know I'm not in that place. But if you feel that you are, I mean, I could see a world. I had a long history in this. I could see a world in which that would be the case. So if, if going back and doing some therapy or working on some of those issues, it's not going to do any harm. Right. It's, yeah. an oppor- it's an opportunity to connect more. It's an opportunity to provide safety. Right. It's an opportunity to, to help my wife, uh, help my wife work through some of those feelings. And I and I will benefit as a result.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a great point. If right, if I don't have anything to hide, if there's nothing going yes. on here, why am I so resistant mm-hmm. to the to the concept of coming together with a professional and putting and getting some help, talking about things openly and honestly and authentically? How is that negative or bad mm-hmm. if everything is just fine? It, and I and I want to talk for a second from the from the the angle of the addict in this, you know, with yeah. regard to the husband. I understand what this feels like the reason that we're so resistant when we're stuck in in addiction or unwanted behaviors or things that we know are not right right that aren't honest that aren't faithful that aren't whatever the reason i resist talking about that and bringing it out into the open is frankly i'm scared it scares the living daylights out of me what's going to happen to my reputation if someone learns what i'm doing in secret what's going to happen to my marriage my wife is never going to see me the same ever again I mean, there are a lot of issues going on as to why I, I, I'm offended, to why I resist, to why I throw up walls, because this scares me to death. And I spent, I was in that place for decades. And so there's a, there's some empathy to be shown to the, to the guy struggling with addiction as to why he's so resistant. Absolutely. It's understandable. It's totally. actually normal to feel that way. But if you, if you choose to stay there and stay stuck there, you cannot make progress. You cannot come out of this until you're willing to face your fears and dare to step out into the light. Yeah, And I know that that's terrifying.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, you're, and, and what you say is so true, right? I mean, we addicts, we live with a very real fear, as we oftentimes talk about, right? Fear of discovery, fear of what people are going to think. It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. So we can totally empathize with that fear-based thinking and feeling like you're throwing yourself off a cliff you know in a really scary way to, to open up like that. But at the same time, it is absolutely uh, it, it is a prerequisite for for change to happen in a relationship on any level. Be it around this or be it around something else. right There has to be a space in a relationship. Where people can, again, they can ask questions. They can question things. They can they, they can examine things. If your relationship is not in a place where it's, where one or both, or at least one, but I mean, where both of you isn't comfortable with, with scrutinizing it, then there's a problem. And that needs to be looked at. It needs yeah. to be addressed.
1: Certain things can't be said. We just don't go there. How dare you? Yes. Right. All of these walls we throw up, we're we're never going to be able to come to a place of true connection and intimacy. And our assignment is really along those lines, right? The thing that we encourage, um, you know, this this, this spouse and, and and the husband as well, uh, if he has any type of willingness, is please start getting involved in some kind of external recovery system. Yes. Something that's outside of the two of you. It's mm-hmm. so hard when you're in it to be able to see what you need to see. On both sides. On both sides. Both right? for the
0: addict as well as for a partner. Mm-hmm.
1: And so for for the partner, you know, there's things like Essanon, 12-step programs where uh, you can learn how to start to set up boundaries and to start to have healthy dialogue with someone who's struggling with addiction. How and get input. It? Yeah. And right, get, and,
0: and Right. Get input from other people
1: who are dealing with similar stuff. And who have right. been there and have navigated totally. through it. Totally. We need outside sources. Yes. For for the addict and for the spouse. Both. Uh,
0: Yeah. And this is a good goal, I think, Mark, to give because this is applicable to our listeners, no matter where you're at in recovery. Um, I have yet in my entire career come across a couple. Okay. Okay. I take that back. It's (laughs) happened like one time. (laughs) Wow. I can think of like one example where this wasn't the case, but I have, other than that exception, I have never had, had any client ever come to me and go through through the list of ways in which they're reaching out to people. And I've been able to look at them and authentically say that's too much you need to back off from it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: Right. Um, yeah, you're getting too much help. You're reaching yeah, out exactly. too much. Hey, you're
1: being too transparent. Too, too much insight,
0: you know, yeah, too much yeah. support from other people. You don't want all that support. <laughs> Support's no good. So, so it's, you're right. I mean, wherever you're at in this process, we can all do with more frequent, frequent gut checking with other people on whatever level that looks, be it professional or otherwise.
1: So, yeah. So get involved with some 12 step, either on the addiction or, on the spouse side, uh, individual therapy, of course, or or group and couples programs. Yes. Right. If the individual side is just a little bit too scary or daunting, start out with a with a group. Start out with with other couples that are going through similar things. Right. The goal is to bring in outside voices, other messengers into the conversation. Yes. So it's not just the two of you in your myopic, you know, very very closed and small little box. You've got to get outside that, yes, and it's just it's just critical. That's how Steve and I came out of the places places that we were in is we mm-hmm. had to be willing to start to to get outside help.
0: And if you find like a good therapist who knows what they're doing, they will be able to help you navigate this in a balanced way. One of the hallmarks of a good therapist is always a willingness to hear out both sides and 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 come at it from an unbiased place, right? And that's not always the case with every single situation, but that's what you want to be shooting for. Um, and so, if if you've got good people and you're and you're taking the time to find a right fit, uh, you'd be surprised how much that can help. Absolutely, awesome, everybody. Well, thank you for tuning in. As always, please uh, keep up the submissions. We 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 love. We always have topics to present on, uh, just like we do in therapy. But it, it, just like in therapy, we'd always much rather address issues that are coming up specifically for you. So uh, thank you for, for reaching out and please do keep reaching out. If you have a question or an issue be uh, along any sort of the, you know, the sexual addiction spectrum, the connect, connection intimacy spectrum, uh, we have a contact form at pbscpodcast.com where you can go and you can fill that out. And we would we would love to address that for you in some form or fashion.
1: All right. We'll see everybody next week. Have a great one. Hey everybody, Mark and Steve here. Are you looking to take your recovery and your marriage to the next level? We work with individuals and couples one-on-one. With both in-person and online therapy options, you have access to the experts anytime, anywhere. To learn more, visit
0: us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.